welcome to the Flying Solo podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. I'm your host, Robert Gerrish. Flying Solo is an Australian online community and home to stacks of free resources, discussion forums, professional development tools, and a whole lot more. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Sophie Andrews runs three successful award-winning businesses from her base on Sydney's northern beaches. She specializes in bookkeeping and financial consultancy for the hospitality and creative industries. She's a director also of the Australian Bookkeepers Association, speaks four languages, and even finds time to author the odd book. Her latest creative collection is a practical guide to building a prosperous creative business. So let's explore why some creative businesses work and mm, some don't work so well. Hello there, Sophie. Hi, Robert. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much for joining us. So creative businesses. Now, you've, uh, you've built a very nice business yourself, working primarily with this group. Um, how, do you, how do you actually define a creative business? Perhaps that's the place we should start. Sure. Um, I guess, I guess it, there are two different types of creative businesses, and they come in many forms. So I suppose the most obvious examples would be in the design sectors, things like interior design, graphic design, um, fashion, PR, marketing, that kind of business where the, the business owners are very much that right brain kind of thinker. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I guess the other type of creative business are the ones that it might be more of a tra- on the surface a traditional kind of business like, um, I don't know, business coaching or a law firm or a hotel even, but that are run by really entrepreneurial thinking people, so people that think in a very creative way. Hmm. Um, so I guess the book, you know, a lot of what we deal with um, in sort of what we teach is aimed more at the more obvious creative business. Okay. Um, but but we also very much deal with, you know, we've got a lot of thought leaders that we, we deal with, um, well-known speakers and really entrepreneurial people. Okay. So, so, so I guess pe- people that goes. think of themselves as, 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 as creative people, even though it might not have the word design or whatever on their on their kind yeah of so so, so they might the, the work that they do I suppose isn't visually as creative you know it's not it's not something that, that visually like art hmm. is something that you see as being obviously creative but they're still very creative in the way they think and the way that they run their businesses okay so what what then makes a creative business or this creative individual perhaps what makes them kind of so different how do they in what way do they run a business differently to everybody else? Um, I think that they, they so, so if you look at, for example, creative entrepreneurs, they tend to be very high-level thinkers, um, big-picture thinkers, coming up with lots of different ideas, but then quickly sort of lose interest. So once once they've come up with the idea, they're very good at generating new ideas and strategies. Mm-hmm. But once they've come up with those concepts, they really kind of lose interest um, and are sort of on to the next thing. So, that, so they're very good at that high-level kind of end of the business, I guess. Mm-hmm. So is, is, is part of your role then to, as you say, they, they, they can come up with these great creative ideas and then lose a little bit of interest. So is part of your role to just kind of nail their feet to the ground a little and say, well, just hang on a minute. Let's get a bit of structure going in your business here. Where, where do you sort of slot in, as it were, with those people? Yeah, exactly. And so, um, you know, any business, at the end of the day, any business's success comes down to 
profit and cash flow is the bottom line. Right. You know, if, if you're not making profit and you've got bad cash flow, you're not going to have a business. So I think for a lot of creative thinkers, um, they very much focus on the idea side or on the art of what they're actually doing and not so much on the business side. They don't tend to have so much interest in that side. So mm. I suppose we sort of come in and we, we try and um, communicate. Well, one, make them understand the importance of that side of the business. Um, you know, we, we don't necessarily try and get them or persuade them to do all of it themselves, right. but at least to recognise the importance of it and have a team in place. So we either train their staff to do that side of it for them or we do it and and really communicate it to them at more of a high level. Okay, so you help them and you give them a sort of a, a, a big picture of the the kind of the backroom stuff that needs to be there in order to allow them to do all their high level sort of front office stuff. Yeah, that's Sounds exactly like. right. And what so what 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 are some of the um what are some of the key challenges do you think that that face this group that face a creative business? What some of the the things that you constantly find yourself coming up against and how do you solve them? I think that um that a lot of the time people go into those sorts of businesses not understanding the realities of it. Um, you know, uh, creative businesses, a lot of the time, it's a very glamorous perception of, of what it's going to be like. And the reality is, so for example, if you look at a photographer, mm. um, as an example, probably only around 10 to 15% of their time is actually going to be spent taking the photos. And the rest of it is the business side. So it's editing the photos, it's dealing with clients, it's going out and getting business. Um, but so a lot, a lot of people, I think, go into it with false expectations. Um and I think as well that any business, no matter what it is, is probably about 80% about the business skills and only about 20% about creativity. You know, you look at any of the big, say, look at the big, I don't know, fashion design houses in Europe and on the surface they're very creative businesses but, you know, in the back end they're run absolutely the same way that a big bank would be run or a big corporate. Mm. Um, so I think people go into it with a, a false understanding of what's going to be involved um, I think as well because, you know, if we're just looking at the typical sort of creative businesses in the design sector, because what they do is, is very subjective, it can be very hard to put a price on it. Um, so I think people struggle a lot with pricing and costing their work. Mm -hmm. Because it's very competitive, they often start out giving their work away for free or interning for free. Um, and that again kind of, I suppose it kind of messes with their mindset about what their work is is really worth. Um, a lot of the other things that we see are really just getting them to, to focus on the numbers. You know, a lot of the time right. they just don't have any interest in that side of the business and they're mm. not motivated. That's not what motivates them. And, but how do you do that? I mean, it's, uh, I totally get what you're saying and I'm sure a number of people listening are, are sort of nodding as we're talking, saying, yes, got to get them to focus on the numbers. But practically, how do you do that? It really depends. It depends on the client. I mean, some people... It's a never-ending battle. I'll be honest. Right. You know, we've got we've got some clients that we've been trying for three or four years, and and it's a struggle. Mm -hmm. um, with people like that, the the easiest way really is to try and get them to to bring a team on board who are more the sort of implementers. Okay. Um, you know, who who are more the left brain thinkers. So, you know, an example would be a client we've worked with for the last few years, a designer. They've also got a retail store, and they're very successful, but you know, to try and pin the owner down to provide the financial knowledge or the financial information that we need to do what, what we do is impossible. 
Right. But now they're at a point where they've got staff, and so we just deal with the staff, you know, and just give them the real high level, top level of what they need to know. Okay, so I guess a, a, a certain amount of your time must be almost counselling staff, saying, look, this is how you work with someone like your boss. Yeah, and what, what we do in-house here is we do um, a bit of sort of profile matching. So we tend to look at certain types of clients um, who are maybe more needy than the others or need a different sort of approach, and I'll try and match them to the staff here in the office okay. to work with, it, yeah, okay. sometimes, you know, th- so that they can communicate on a level that the client's going to understand. All right. So, I mean, do you think, do you think creative creative people make good business people yeah I mean I think I think they do I think that anyone in business um, it's very rare to find someone who's great at all aspects of business Mm. and it's just about recognizing what you're good at and what your strength is I think that um, for creative people they're great at or they can be great at things like business development or a strategy Um, you know there are definite areas where they can be brilliant at Mm. and it's just um, it's just recognizing what those strengths are and and getting a team around them can, that can do the other bits. Yeah. Okay. Understood. So for somebody, I mean, as I mentioned at the outset, you've you've you have this new book that you've written that we'll 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 talk about a little bit more at the end. But is that really that is aimed, I guess, at a creative person who can sit there and go, aha, okay, I recognise myself in there. This is what I need to do. That's that's the idea behind the book, isn't it? To give them a, yeah, a guide. Yeah. I mean, the, the idea. So, so my background is that I, I've always worked in finance in the creative sort of world. Yeah. Um, so prior to having a business, you know, I've had the business now for about 10 years. Prior to that, um, I spent about 15 years in finance in the fashion and the jewellery industries. Mm. So, I, I, you know, I really get the whole two different ways of thinking. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I see a lot of talent out there that's just wasted or not recognised or not seen because um, because people don't know how to translate that into a into a business I guess Hmm, so the idea behind the book I mean I so one of the other things I do is that I teach finance and small business at one of the fashion schools here in Sydney right and you know when I walk in there I'm faced with a group of sort of 20 22 year old kids who want to be stylists or they want to be fashion designers and the last thing they want to do is to be listening to to a lecture about finance basically Hmm. (laughs) and and, you know my, my aim with them which is kind of the same with the book is that um what I say to them is that, look, I, I, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't really care if you don't want to do this yourself. All, all my aim is really is to, to make them understand the importance of the financial side of the business, you know. And if they can walk out at the end of three hours and they get that, they get how important it is, then that's sort of my job done. And I suppose with the book, um, really it comes down to the same thing, is trying to communicate that side of the business to the creative mind in a way that they they get that it's important got you yeah okay so and i know that you talk about perhaps we could have a look at um some of the particular steps just to give us a bit of a snapshot as to some of the um the the the, um, themes that you cover what what would you say the kind of the key steps for somebody building a successful creative business i think the, the first one is definitely around mindset um, that's probably one of the most important ones, and that that covers things from having you know your own self worth um, about valuing the work that you do, and really understanding that being creative and making a profit aren't um, you know they're, they're two things that can go hand in hand, mm. and that 
and that by by running a business that makes a profit, it doesn't mean that you're selling out. Um, <clears throat> that that would be, I guess, the the base one to sort of yeah, start from. Yeah, sure, I totally um, agree with that one. Yeah, and you know, the, the next one would probably be planning. So understanding what it is you want to achieve from your business. So. You know, a lot of people start a business as a means to an end, whereas I think for a lot of creative people, it's more an end to an end. Do you know what I mean? It's it's not they're not necessarily running a business to achieve something in particular. They're running a, they're setting up a creative business because they just want to be creative. Mm. But at the end of the day, they obviously still have things that they want to achieve in their life, whether it's a house or going on holiday or just being able to be free to to, to create and do what it is they want to do. So. Yep. I suppose, you know, understanding what it is they want to achieve, what success means for them, um, how much money they're going to need to be able to do that. Okay, so that's sort of de- developing a vision, a real clear picture of yeah. what does this thing look like. Yeah. yeah. And, and understanding, you know, understanding the ebbs and flows of their business and their industry as well. Mm. Okay, lovely. Um, the, the next one would definitely be around cash flow. Right. So I think there's around 74 or 75% of businesses fail because of cash flow problems and around three quarters of those are profitable businesses. So it's not, you know, it's not that these businesses aren't successful, it's because they don't understand the difference between profit and cash flow and that's a major, major problem. Isn't that, isn't that just the, the saddest statistic, mm. isn't it? That, you know, we do, I babble on quite a bit about failure because often people exaggerate grossly the amount of businesses, the number of businesses that fail. But when you hear of failure, from a, what should be a successful business, but it's it's a, a cash flow issue. It's just it's just gut wrenching, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I have this theory that um, you know there are so many businesses that fail around that three to five year mark, and mm. as a business, there's so much emphasis placed on getting more clients, building your turnover, but there's very little education around the fact that what happens when you grow a business is that you will have cash flow problems, and so I think a lot of people get to that three four year mark. They're growing their business and suddenly they get cash flow problems and either because they're not expecting it, they don't know how to handle it mm. or how to access the funds or secondly, they think that their business is falling apart because suddenly it seems like everything's going backwards. Yeah. And so I think that that's, that's why a lot of businesses fail because they're not prepared and because they don't understand that actually, mm. you know, yes, growth brings cash flow problems but if you, can, if you can ride it out and get out the other side, you know, you'll get to that next level. Yeah, and again, I suppose it goes back to your second point. It's, it's again, having a clear picture and forecasting. And, and we should be able to, to determine if we're going to hit a bit of a, a cash flow crunch. It's, it's you know, yeah. if we've got our, as, as you kind of suggest, if we've got our hands firmly on the controls or we have somebody like you and your team with their hands firmly on the yeah. controls. Yeah. Okay, what's your next point? Um, so the next one, I guess, would be around automation. So... I mean, you know, all these technological advances are really changing the face of business, I think, in so many industries. And the creative industry, you know, is definitely one that's been affected by that in terms of the whole crowdsourcing Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, But at the same time, I think any change is really an opportunity for growth as well. You know, it can be a really good thing. It's just looking at what the opportunities are. And so all these new technologies... um, can just bring so many efficiencies into your business. You can, you know, you can work remotely. You can, um, you can really streamline what's happening in your business. You can get virtual staff. You can get teams from all over the world. You know, you look at Zero, which is a cloud accounting package that we use a lot now with mm. with clients. 
you know, that's rapidly taken over in the last sort of 18 months and it now dominates the market. Mm. Um, you know, and it's it's a system which a lot of it is automated. You know, a lot of the bookkeeping now can be automated. Um, it doesn't have to be this whole kind of scary thing. But, it, it, yeah, I think just being aware of, instead of being afraid of what technology is bringing, just being aware of all the really cool things that it can mm. bring. Yeah, look, I, I fully agree with that. And, I, and I, I know what you mean about zero. And I know, you know a number of the others in the marketplace now, MYAB and, 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 and you know, the whole lot, are all designing um, packages and programs that, that kind of look like they've got the creative in mind, haven't they? They're so... The, yeah. the ease of use and the language and the presentation is is just it's moved on so much in the last few years. It's it's fantastic. Okay, yeah. so mindset, uh, kind of the vision or the path, the cash flow automation, and you've got one more point, I think. Yeah, and really just streamlining everything, so making sure you've got systems um, in place. You know, around simple things like how you're pricing your services or your products around how you cost out projects. So you look, for example, at the interior design industry or the graphic design industry, and often so much profit is lost because the jobs haven't been costed out properly or because mm. the designer gets caught up in making the design perfect and loses track of how much time they've actually budgeted oh, to spend on Does that on happen, job. really? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know exactly what you mean. No, fantastic. Okay, so... Going through that, and I know you you expand on those points a whole lot um, in your book, and I know in a moment we'll we'll just share an address where people can download a chapter and and uh, and you know get a good sample of your book. So, how do you think you know you've worked with a number of creative people now over a number of years? How do you think they keep the the creative flame alive? How should they keep the creative flame alive? Because it it it's you know one of the the common sort of complaints I hear from people in creative businesses is I don't have time to design anymore. You know, I'm doing all the other stuff. I don't, I'm, I'm sort of not doing the things I love. How do you keep the the, the flame alive, do you think? Yeah, I, th I think it's a bit of a double-edged sword because on the one hand, when you're starting out and it's just you, you have to do everything. Mm. Um, but then when you take on staff, what you find as well is that you roll once you've sort of got to two or three or more staff, your role becomes more of a manager. So again, you you know, you're not having time to do what it is you really want to do. And I think the key really is to, um, you know, obviously about time management and all that kind of thing, but really it's to, to be able to get a bus your business to the point where you can afford to hire the people to do all that other stuff. Mm. And these days, um, and that's where all the automation stuff comes in, you know, these days it doesn't have to be a massively expensive um, thing to do, you know, a, a lot of it can be automated, you can have virtual teams, you can have staff mm. overseas that you never see that, that get a lot of the drudge sort of admin work done for you. Um, and it's really about, yeah, get, getting that team in place to do all of that stuff so you can really focus on what it is you want to do. Mm. So build the, build the support around you that will therefore allow your creative mind to um, spin freely. Yeah, and, and you know, and that's where I guess the whole notion of having a profitable creative business comes into it because at the end of the day if you're making a profit your creativity isn't going to be stifled by cash flow problems and money problems and mm. worrying about how you're going to pay the next bill you know to, to be creative you need to to just be free to be able to focus on that if you build a business that is earning a profit then you can afford to outsource all those types of things mm. okay terrific thank you now look I'd, I'd like to close with a question that i that i ask um, all our guests on on the flying solo podcast which is 
Who's been the greatest influence on you in your working life and what did they teach you? Um, I think, you know, there, there are a lot of people that I come across who I admire greatly, but I suppose the biggest influence would have to have been my dad mm. or to be still my dad. Um, you know, he, <laughs> he, he really taught me the importance of having a strong work ethic and to take responsibility for your own future. Mm. Um, was, and he, again, was he a small business person? Yeah, I mean, he he was a head te- or he is he was a head teacher. He right. now, um, you know, he has a couple of small businesses that he he runs from home. He is very entrepreneurial. Mm. I think, um, you know, particularly for his time. Um, but he, yeah, I mean, he's really taught me at the end of the day, you're responsible for your own success, mm. and it doesn't really matter how talented you are. It, it all comes down to hard work and persistence, mm. you know, and and thinking smart and and acting smart. Fantastic. And tell me, when you see him, do you do you just have a little look at his books and get him, make sure he's all nice and straight, or he doesn't let you in there? No, he's got a spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> he does occasionally ask me questions, but yeah. then I see yeah, then he gets, yeah, no. <laughs> Sounds like you've got <laughs> each other nicely trained. Yeah. Okay, well, look, thank you so much. Now, look, um, for people listening, the place to go is www.thecreativecollection.com.au. Um, there you can find um, a sample chapter on Sophie Andrews' book, which is called The Creative Collection. Um, so those listening who particularly are running a creative business or have someone near and dear to them running a creative business, um, have a good look at that and you'll find some very useful tips and uh, expanding on the topics we've talked about. So Sophie, thank you so much for um, joining us today and for sharing your time. I love your, um, love your Pablo Picasso quote that you have on your back cover, which I think would be nice to end on, which is, every child is an artist, the problem is staying an artist when you grow up. Got to agree with that, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. Okay, thanks Sophie. Enjoy your thanks. day. Thanks okay. very much, Robert. Bye-bye. Bye. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo. I'm Robert Gerrish, and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're looking to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, you'll find heaps of resources at flyingsolo.com.au and a supportive community on our forums and Facebook. Thanks for listening.